0: We are the Wanderers of Western Sydney. Hello, I'm Tim Gilbert, a Western Suburbs boy from Guildford and a proud fan. Welcome to our podcast. This is the place to come to hear all the stories from our wonderful football club. Players, coaches, managers, fans. Our featured Wanderers will come in all shapes and sizes and diverse backgrounds. We are a strong club that is on the move and our people have rich and gripping stories to tell. Welcome. Great to have you along for the ride. We are the Wanderers of Western Sydney and today's guest, well, there's very little he hasn't done in the game of football. At club level, playing for his country and now as assistant coach of our women's team, Michael Beecham. We are the Wanderers of Western Sydney and today... Our Wanderer is Assistant Coach of the Western Sydney Wanderers Women's Team, Michael Beecham. How are you, Michael? Good, thanks. It was a good year, wasn't it? Uh, Obviously, you always want to win a title, but to come from where the team was to the finals and fourth position, it was a good year. Yeah, look, if you're looking back at it, um, it wasn't a complete year.
1: Um, Obviously, we we went into it with the the frame of mind of of winning trophies. You know, to achieve what we did over the the whole season with – you know, winning the consecutive games, making it to the semifinals, clean sheets, all of that type of stuff. Um, I think the girls did, did really well and prepared well as a club and it worked out, like I said, worked out well towards the end but not what we totally wanted as a group. What do you think the difference was? Ah, uh, Between us and the past years? Yeah. I couldn't, to be honest about I couldn't tell you but you can only sort of comment on what I was. I wasn't part of the, the squads before that so mm. I just know that uh, under Dean, you know, we we sort of, had a plan uh he, he had the style of play that he wanted in his head we worked hard at getting the girls to understand that style and i think it showed in in the the games you know that we had won and and beat teams that we wouldn't normally give a challenge to you know so i think collectively everyone was on the same page as well as the girls who come in the unity between all the girls there was there's so many things mate that you can put towards being the the success that we had last year, mm. uh, compa- and like I said, comparing it to the the years before, I couldn't really give you an answer. Um, that's probably more a question for for Kath, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting, and I, and I have spoken to Kath, and I've spoken to Dean. First mm. off, uh, from Dean's perspective, obviously you're you're his best mate. You're like brothers. Kath yeah. felt like she was watching a, uh, a WWE verbal sometimes when you two guys were, no, were hammering things course. out. It's a, it, it's a unique relationship. Yeah, look, I think without a
1: doubt in, in that environment, you've got to have people that you can trust and have open conversations with. And Dean said, we're like brothers, mate. We've known each other for many years now. We've played overseas together. We've played in a number of clubs, both uh, overseas, A-League and MPL together. And I, I think it's – even though the, the conversations get – heated to a certain extent at the end of the day his word is final but um i think you know our our conversations are like that because we're pushing each other every time and asking the why as to why you're doing something and just like the girls themselves you know they ask you the why every session and you have to have the answers for them because um if you're not believing what you're putting onto the field for them, then how are they going to follow suit, you know? So I think uh, in, in any working relationship, you're going to have little arguments, but it's about uh, for the better of the team.
0: And, and you're so right. Transparency and honesty and being up front, and you don't have to be rude about it, but everyone walks away a lot better informed than just sort of hiding from an issue or not discussing, discussing a point or not raising something uh, when it should be raised. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, you, like for myself and Dean,
1: we, um, always went into it and said, we'll never forget being a player, you know, what it was like being a player. So as a player, you always want that same, like you said, transparency and the honesty from the coach. Um, even when you aren't playing and as hard as it is to, to hear those words sometimes, you know, I'd rather hear that from a coach than them going around in a different way. And you sort of find out down the track as to why you weren't playing or, as to why you're doing something and, you know, it's, it's in any work, working field, really, you know, unfortunately it doesn't happen all the time because there's always people out there trying to, uh, I suppose, belittle what you're doing or, or bring uh, a scenario down. But I think only ever having those open conversations is going to be for the better of
0: the team, really. Kath Canouli, she's a gem too, isn't she?
1: Yeah, look, she's been around the club for a long time, mate. My daughter went to one of her holiday clinics today and she's, she has them running really well. She lives and breathes Breeze Breeze the club, so great to have around the, the
0: girls and, you know, have that experience there. And it is good to 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 have a step in the past, the recent past as well, because Kath's still only a young woman, but she can remember when the women's facilities were like you changed behind, uh, you know, a blackboard and uh, you had to wear men's jerseys and the the exponential growth of of women's football has has really gone forward at a, at a big pace. Yeah, for sure. And having that uh,
1: facility that we have there at Blacktown, you know, like Kath said, with the women's side of things, I know that they're training very early in the morning and sometimes out at uh, Mount Druitt, Penrith and places like that. And to have what they have now, the girls coming into their own change room and being able to use the gym that the boys use and use the fields that the boys train on, get to play at a Bank West. I think it's a a massive step forward for the girls' game because at the end of the day, mate, they only want to be treated like professionals. They train like professionals, so... It's just the whole scene around the women's game has changed a lot and that's for the better of the game. You know what I mean? So, if you go down to see the amount of girls playing on weekends and, and things like that, it's just brilliant. My daughter alone plays for AC United. They're in a local club and there's some teams that they play against have three or four girls teams, you know. So, it's it's definitely moving forward on that side of things. I think as a club… Um, they've made some big steps as well because, you know, when I first arrived at the club, we were doing similar things where we're changing with the office staff, you know, behind a little dividing board. So it's, um, I think some of these new players coming in see the facilities that they have. Um, but don't really totally get where we come from initially until they sort of get a grasp of seeing the photos that are around. And, you know, you speak to JT now as well and see how much he feels the
0: club. Everything's moving so forward for the club itself. It's amazing, isn't it? Like the facilities and you've had the opportunity to play overseas and you've played for your country and you've seen how things are at the top. We really are talking a facility which is world class. Yeah, look, mate, um, if you go there now on the M7, you drive past,
1: you see the amount of football fields that we have out the back there. I don't think there's many clubs around here that have anything close to that you know even overseas you do get a couple of clubs out there having that amount of field but within walking distance it's it's brilliant you know uh, i think the average punter can come along and sit out behind the fence there and, and watch a session as well it makes you feel like a footballer you know <laughs> when you come into that environment you got your own gym it, it's pretty good mate it's pretty good to be a footballer
0: especially at the Wanderers nowadays yeah you and i both grew up in the western sydney uh, in western sydney and to to see a facility like that for people is really aspirational because they can actually, uh, you know, if you, if you want to be a football star, well, you've got this, this enormously, you know, uh, wide and varied football environment right on your doorstep. Yeah. Look, mate,
1: it's, uh, it's great because you think about back in the day, you had Marconi, I suppose, was one of the biggest clubs going around with the setup that they had with the amount of fields that they had out the back there and and even that was only a couple of fields really you know so obviously there's a bit more comp- competition coming into the West now with a new club but I think with what the Wanderers have as a setup and and the pathway from a junior level coming through and they've shown that in the past couple of years with the amount of kids coming through through the system and, and getting an opportunity to play first, Great football, I think it's it's brilliant, it's brilliant as a whole, and I think every family gets to drive past that facility there on the M7,
0: so it's it's pretty good. Absolutely. How, how do you identify or, or define the change from being a footballer to a football coach? Look, mate, it's been, uh, to say
1: it's been easy, I, w- I wouldn't. Um, you know, the whole transition of actually fin- finishing up football to to finding my feet again in, in normal life has been pretty hard. And I think most sports people sort of go through that stuff. It's even like changing a normal job. If you've been in a job for 20 odd years and all of a sudden you're not doing that same thing again, you sort of feel a little bit lost. But look, I'll be honest with you, going back a couple of years, it was never really something I had opportunities to go into to coaching, but it wasn't something that I, I really aspired to in that moment. But having a conversation with Dean back couple of years ago and and getting a chance to help him with the 20s at the Wanderers really changed my view on on coaching and and I enjoyed it you know I enjoyed the man management side of things and just seeing the development of the players as well it's it's been really good and look I've got a lot to learn still like you you never stop learning in coaching and I'm still very fresh in that side of things but I've I've enjoyed I enjoyed last season and um, what it gave us as a club, and getting to know the girls on a personal level as well, and seeing their change throughout the season was just was was brilliant, you know. And that's when you walk away
0: from it, you say that's why you're doing it. You know, it's um it's been good. Ever since you were a boy, and then into Westfield Sports High, and your early days of uh, of playing top grade football, you did it for a long, long time. What what was the real difficulty of walking away and hanging up the boots for the final time? Look, I think when you know the
1: time's right, you sort of, you accept it a little bit better. Um, after my time finished at the Wanderers, I went overseas for six months by myself. And that time my daughter was only three months old and my son was just over two years old. So I, I left them all here and, and it was a, it was a tough time over there by myself. You know, obviously I was away a lot playing. Um, so it would have been better for them not to have come because they would have been by themselves for a lot. But having that time away and actually seeing, you know, what it was like and, and missing my family that much. I just thought I couldn't move them around anymore. Obviously, the opportunity at Wanderers had finished. So, I had a couple of other opportunities to go, one overseas and and two back in the A-League. But I just didn't want to move my family again, you know. So, that's sort of what made my decision. The first couple of months is always easy because you're enjoying life We. We just bought a house. So I was doing a lot of stuff around the house, and but as time wears on, you're sort of looking for that next pathway. So um, yeah, it's it's a big transition. But to to say I regret that decision, I think initially I, I was missing it a lot. Just the change room, you know, where you're around the boys all the time, and you get to have that banter all the time, and it's hard to find that win, winning feeling. But to be honest, I found that again in coaching. I probably over celebrated sometimes if you can do that um with some of the wins we had last season but it's very close to the feeling that I got as a player I think when you're on the field and actually involved in the the war itself it's a little bit I think you enjoy that challenge a little bit more but on the sideline you sort of got to open your eyes up and think more tactically I suppose where as a player you, you're almost given the tactics so it's a it's been a good change in that sense. So you've landed in a happy place. Yeah, look, uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I love working with Dean and Kath. You know, the group of players we had last season all bought into what Dean was trying to do. So uh, to say that, uh, like I said, we weren't 100% happy because we didn't hold up the trophies. And looking at it, certain games there, possibly things could have gone our way uh, or worked out a little bit better. But, you know, that's part of sports sometimes. But I'm enjoying the challenge. Definitely enjoying the challenge at this point in time. What about some
0: of the international players? Uh, and I'll go through a few names. First off, Kristen Hamilton, because she got the player of the year. Just an extraordinary dedication and application to the game. Yeah, look, her pedigree coming from overseas
1: to here, the girl sort of lifted, I think, when she was on the field. Obviously, I think sometimes it's harder when you're coming into a system that's a little bit different to to what you're normally used to so there's a little bit of an adaptation that she needed to do when she came into what Dean wanted to try and do but you know every time she walked across that white line it was um it was game on for her and caused a lot of the defenders some issues you know not only with her technical ability but her speed as well and Getting into some very dangerous positions, and obviously having the the golden boot um, showed that as well. You now I think across the board, the, the, we had a, a few inexperienced girls, I suppose you could say, that really come in and, and sort of. Kristen took them under the under a wing a little bit, and you know when you have those sort of players come in, I think it, it's great for the younger players as well to see you know how much you need to improve almost to to get to that next level. So it was good to have a.
0: What about someone like Lynn Williams? And I know that it was sort of a broken season in a way and the whole idea of being called into the US team, but if people don't know the game of women's football, they won't know how good she is. Like She is one of the elite players of the world. Yeah, look,
1: mate, It's um as you said, it was a little bit difficult to to have her within the team and seeing what sh- her and Kristen can do together. <laughs> and then actually losing her to the national team so that sort of yeah hurts a little bit in in a sense of of what we we're trying to achieve but again that's football but yeah same thing with what she brought to the team again the level that that the girls here need to push for to be able to play at that that next level whether they want to go overseas um, or in their game in general but again great to have her here and um Overall, I think all the international come coming with Abby as well in goals and um, did well. Unfortunately, she had a little bit of an injury as well with herself. Things like that, even with Lynn moving on, gave other girls an opportunity to sort of earn their spot a little bit more and, and, and go forward with that side sort of things. So it's always, football's yeah, always a, a,
0: it's a funny game. Yeah, and then you had this little pocket rocket, Denise O'Sullivan, who'd like obviously Mate. many caps for Ireland and just such an energetic uh, player. Quality,
1: Quality, mate. Um, she was like a little pupil when she crossed that white line as well. It was again another big loss for us. I think when she she moved on, I uh, had to go back overseas. But it was for us having her for that amount of time again, mate. She could honestly, <laughs> she could play in a couple of um, boys teams. You know, her technical ability was really really good. The way she read the play and just things that she could see on the field were, were brilliant, mate. It was it was really a joy to have a top top person as well on and off the, the field. And they're the type of people that you want around the club. You know, we've we've always based that, I, I think, at the Wanderers with having, you know, you need top players as well, but good people that are willing to go out there and bat for each other on the field. And, and,
0: and Denise was definitely one of those. And, and from a local perspective, what what are some of the names that people should look for over the next couple of years, do you think? Ah, look,
1: mate, we've got a couple of girls still coming through. There's even a couple of girls last year, Danica, and Chloe from uh, the Stingrays, who, you know, they've only been playing MPL and had an opportunity last year to show what they can do. So there's a lot of girls still out there um, waiting for an opportunity. But, you know, you got Susan as well, who's, mm. I think she had a bit of an injury last season as well. But when she's fully fit, um, really, really good player. You've got young Kyra Kuni Cross as well, who's, who was with us last, last year. Great, great young player across the board, mate. <laughs> honestly, you couldn't really, pinpoint one totally, even though i've just mentioned about four of them but um i think it's unfair to the other ones that are there because everyone last season really put their hand up every time they got an opportunity made and um that's just not saying it for the sake of saying it it really was and that's why we achieved so much because even though there were some girls who didn't get as much game time they're really pushing everyone else who was playing during the week at training and um unfortunately can only ever have a, a you know 11 on the field and those extras on the bench. I think when you have a group like that, you're always ready, or you've got the great ingredients for success
0: anyway. You know, so and a bit of luck you need as well, I suppose. Oh yeah, and and to think that there's going to be a World Cup, a Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in 2023, which we can almost touch and feel, that will be enormous for the game here.
1: Yeah, look, mate. If you look back at the Olympics and and what that sort of did for us, you know, all the Aussies getting behind it and and. I think a lot of – some of the girls in our team, are, yeah, I don't know how many of them were even born, you know, when, when that was around. So, well, exactly. Um,
0: 20 years ago makes you know, us all feel a bit older.
1: No, <laughs> exactly, mate, you know. So um, I think most of them would have only probably heard it from their parents with, with what that sort of brought to here. But, again, it's, I think it's a great achievement from from both countries. And uh, I think, again, it's just going to put football in general, especially the, the women's game on – The world stage and and it'll bring attention to it again here in Australia. Obviously, in Australia, you're always battling against, you know, the rugby unions, rugby leagues and and AFL. And, um, sometimes football gets pushed back a little bit further, but when things like that are happening it's great for the sport and and it still gives young young players a, a chance you know to to get their foot in the door so anything can happen mate my my call up to the old uh, 06 uh, world cup was very last minute you know and football's a funny game like that sometimes
0: what was it like because i was just about to get into that what what was it like to play for australia and be a part of a world cup campaign oh look mate it's not it's a bit cliche but it, it definitely was a A
1: dream come true, like uh, a couple of years before that, I was laying vinyl and carpet. You know what I mean? So it sort of Mm. all come around pretty hard and fast for me from where I was playing at Marconi and and doing my apprenticeship with that. And then I had a chance to sort of go full time with Parramatta and and then moved up to the coast and everything sort of went leaps and bounds from that. And then I got caught into one camp with Gorse and yeah, sort of got caught in not last minute, but I was one of the last ones to, to get announced there. And it was for me. You're in a squad of players that are playing at the highest level overseas and have been for, for many years. And, you know, I, I learn a lot, uh, not only under Gus, but through the other boys that I was around there. And look, mate, it was the first, first World Cup in so many years and the height that mm. was around it and the environment there in, in Germany was just unbelievable. It was just unbelievable, mate. And unfortunately, at the end of football, you usually have some medals, but mostly memories. and. I have some great memories of those times. So,
0: oh, it was it was an amazing career, and I still remember that year, that real breakout year for you at Central Coast Mariners, and everything you touched turned to gold that year. Uh, you were the standout player in Australian domestic soccer, football, and uh, you know guys like Laurie McKenna and others around that club. It was. It was a pretty golden time for you, wasn't it? Thanks for the pump-up anyway, buddy, but I don't know I don't no, know how well, far. I, but it I was, remember it. I was but, working in radio yeah. up there at the time, the Star yeah. 104.5, and I just remember it so clear.
1: Yeah, look, mate, I think as a squad, uh, we had some great boys there, mate, and again, it went back to the unity where I think a lot of pundits sort of said we weren't going to do that well that first season, and it gave us even more motivation, and... Um, under Laurie, you know, he gave everyone that belief that we, we could achieve things and, and also gave us, I suppose, time to go out and bond together, you know, whether it be a day out at golf or, uh, a night out after the game, whatever it may have been. But that season, it sort of, we never really believed that we weren't going to win a game. And it sort of got us to the final. Unfortunately, we didn't sort of finish off the season with that, that winning medal, but, to get that far and what we had achieved that season was just brilliant, and obviously getting caught into to the camp that was in Holland at that stage uh, was was brilliant for myself with the national team, and then to finish it all off with the, the World Cup call up was was again another thing, you know. And, and even during that season, at the end to to go on with it, myself and Dean went over for a trial in Germany, and and Germany, you know, yeah. we, we moved yeah we moved over there together. So it was just yeah it was a pretty crazy. Crazy year, and it just shows, you know, anything can sort of happen within within a season of football. So
0: yeah, it's just pretty crazy. that season. how much did you pick up from people like Laurie and horse hitting uh, now that you are in a uh, sort of a, a managerial coaching role? Yeah, look, I think it shows how important it is to to understand
1: what a player is feeling or what they're they're thinking. And look, in football, I think a lot of it has to do with man management really, because everyone's got as a player, you got different personalities you're trying to deal with and you know sometimes you can walk away from them and the other ones you have to sort of try and be, bring a bit closer to, to lift them up or whatever it may have been. But as a coach, you, you can't sort of walk away from any issues at all. You have to deal with them then and there and or over a period of time. And for me, I've always been pretty good at, at um, reading people even when I was at the Wanderers there. I, there was a few things that, that come up and brought to Popper's attention. And look, I, I think you can definitely take those traits into to a coach and Laurie was great. He, he was brilliant at that side of things with the man management. Um, I felt my time under him but like anything, everyone always has a different opinion of someone or some coach or, you know, it's just whatever it may have been but Gus as well. With Gus, the way he, not only man managed but the way he read the game in general, he could make a substitution at a certain time and change the game in general and it was just to see that happen firsthand was, was something pretty special. I think you can only get that with experience sometimes as well. You know, you had many years of experience and like I said, I've still got a lot to learn. So on the, on the managerial side of things, I, I feel you're always learning anyway,
0: but in general, I've, I've been pretty good at reading people, I suppose. And no doubt very happy that you're still working in the game, of course. And, and what was it like towards the end to actually play for the Wanderers? Being a Western Suburbs boy who played for Marconi, and the Wanderers weren't around when you started. But what was it like to actually be a part of it as a player? Yeah,
1: look, mate, to, to be a part of a start-up club is very special anyway, you know, uh, and to, to have it represent where I come from. And, mate, the amount of RBB fans that were there, and, and a lot of them went to my school or lived in the area that I grew up in, was, was pretty special in that sense to to see in there or you get messages and um, from people you haven't seen in years, you know, so in that respect it was it was very very uh, good as a whole because i think it brought the community together and it, it didn't really matter what your background was nationality wise or or whatever in those first couple of years it was just crazy because if you look at the first couple of games even that we had towards and then sort of um, compare that sorry to the end of the season and the amount of red and black jerseys in the tr- crowd was Second to none, you know. Um, You couldn't get a seat almost towards the end of the season. It was just the way that everyone bought into it. Obviously, winning helps in any circumstances, but I think everyone bought into it, and it was just I think a lot of people won't forget that in in a sense, you know. And for me, being named captain as well uh, again was something that had never really happened. I'd always been part of like the leadership group or what have you within a team, but I and not to say that I ever needed a. An armband to be a leader in a team, either. But for me, it was something even a bit more of an honour to be able to walk out first every time with the boys, knowing that you know we're all on the same page and we're all going to sort of fight for that same cause. And and you could see <laughs> things just got better and better as the season went on, and then we just didn't believe that we we're
0: ever going to lose. So, and that's why we achieved what we did. And 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 you'd been around long enough to realise that that kind of success doesn't just turn up on your doorstep it it isn't a a common thing is it winning uh winning you know winning titles no look mate the
1: trophies are very hard to come by i've been in a few grand finals and and lost them unfortunately and um you know it's sometimes it comes down to a little bit luck on the day but for us that's that season if you look back at the amount of You know, Popper put a lot of hours into the the style of play that he wanted to do and and motivating the boys, but the amount of effort that the players themselves as well put in on the field was, I I don't think anyone had done a preseason that hard before in their life, you know, and that's what Popper was known for anyway. It was just one of those things that after one of the first team meetings we had on an away trip and um, everyone just knew where we were, where we stood with Popper, where we stood with each other, and what we had to do to achieve what we wanted to uh, achieve. And you could see every session that they boys stepped onto the field that uh, it was only a matter of time before before it all sort of come come together.
0: What was it like when it happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: mate, it was, um, yeah, look, something very special. That I think winning the game up at Newcastle to win the Premier's plate where Visconti we scored, we scored a bomb. You know, from, from 25 metres and I think he ran. I picked him up and sort of <laughs> tried to hobble all the way over yeah, to, to the RBB. That. But um, yeah, uh, it was brilliant, mate. And then we come back and I think it was Brisbane Raw. We might have beaten back at home to, and then we lifted up the plate after that. I think Shinji scored a couple of goals that game and um, got to lift the plate up in front of the home crowd. And yeah, they, they, it's, it's brilliant, mate, because like I said, at the end of the day, it's all... Done and dusted. You've got a lot of memories and you know a few photos. So thing I think that was pretty special for me when my sort of time finished up at the Wanderers was we we played the the Champions League game there and won that game and then I had an opportunity to sort of stay out for five minutes on Parramatta Stadium there with my son and he went up and scored a scored a goal and it was only years older. that oh, Not even, I think it was like almost two, but yeah, that that sort of memory will always stay in my mind because when he scored the goal, there was a few fans there that actually cheered for him as well, so it's I think it just showed the unity that we had between us as players and, and, and the fans themselves, you know, so it was um, yeah,
0: something very special those first first couple of years for myself. Well Michael, congratulations on what has been a, or what was a fantastic football career and and now in the early stages of your managerial coaching career uh, may go on for a long long time and be very very successful thanks for being today's wanderer oh, i appreciate that mate thank you very much for more information on the club visit wswanderersfc.com.au we will be back soon with another story from one of our wanderers of western sydney